Today is Tuesday, March 25th, 2008, and this is Radio Wave. for joining us on tonight's broadcast of Radio Wave. Our host is a friend of Medjugorje. Tonight, he will be discussing with us the message that Our Lady gave to Maria earlier today on the, the 25th. And for those of you who are not aware of uh, what happens on this day, on the 25th of every month, Maria, one of the six visionaries of Medjugorje, receives the message from Our Lady for the world. And so tonight, a friend of Medjugorje will be discussing that with us, and we welcome you to the broadcast tonight. We'd like to welcome everybody, bringing us into their homes, and then those who will be listening to this later streaming on the air. And we would like to always, as rather as always, begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Mary, we are so busy in society and culture of what it drives and drags everybody and us along that we don't always have time to contemplate the gift of what we are in the midst of. And surely there was people in Jesus' days who often saw him pass through the streets of Jerusalem or on the dusty fields, the roads. They were busy with their life and didn't recognize what passed in front of them. And so it is today you tell us and talk about passing. And so we pray that we might be enlightened for the gift of the present moment that we're in that as Christ walked the earth, this is your time walking the earth, and that it not pass us by. Amen. And Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. And again, we want to welcome you to Radio Wave and to our monthly show that we do on the every 25th of the month. It's a joy to be able to do this and to be able to discuss this. And of course, we started this because so many times the people had gotten the message and they wanted to share, they wanted to talk, they want to hear about it, they want to discuss it. And this kind of was birthed out of that format to be able to give a emphasis of, of more to the message. And of course, this month we've already had uh, the March 18th message from Mariana. We've had the March 2nd message uh, to Mariana. Now today we have Maria's March 25th message to the world. And all these add up to something very important. And of course, we just finished Easter, and I was reading some reports that Easter won't come along for another 240 years this early. And all that plays into something, some reasons. Maybe we don't know now, but maybe we'll know in the future. Everything is on a clock with God right now in a schedule. And the fact that our Lady's coming to the world puts this time in such a significant moment that we should be ever watchful 
for what happens daily, both in the world, both in our life, especially our spiritual life. And we should take this time that we live in very, very seriously. And of course, our lady's told us that you're in a time of grace. Use this time well. And again, we tend to listen to the message. She says use well, but we don't think of the other side of that. What if you don't use this time well? What are the consequences? Are there consequences? And if those consequences are real, what would they be? And so when we hear the message, we shouldn't just be superficial with them. Oh, yeah, she said this. Let's use this time well. Well, let's do that. You know, the opposite of that, I often look at the message that way. And, well, what if we don't do that? And we can see that there's another side of that. The fact that our lady's saying something in a positive way means there's something else on the other side, too. That if we don't use it well, will we be in deep regret? And she, yes, has said that in her message before, that you will lament for my message. Soon will come a time when you'll lament for the message. And that was August of 93, I think, or 97, perhaps, 97. And so it's a serious moment when we got a 25th message, and all these are working toward something uh, in the future of Jesus and him coming to us. And I was with one of the producers, the main producer at ABC 2020, back in the middle, late 80s, middle to late 80s, when 2020 was doing a special. And they had asked me to come there and help them produce that. And we did, and we got to be good friends together. And we were sitting down, and he was asking me, do you think this is for the second coming? That what the Virgin Mary is doing here is preparation for the second coming. And I says, you better bet it's for the second coming. There's no question, unequivocally no question, that Our Lady's preparing us for Jesus to come back. He says, really? You really think that? And I says, sure. He said, when do you think it's going to happen? I said, well, that's the question. Whether it happens um, five years from now, ten years from now, five hundred years from now, that's that's what we don't know. So um, we got to realize that that these messages are for something much more grand than what we think, and it is for preparation. So we're going to listen to the message now, and then we'll go on further and discuss it. But you want to listen in that context of what I just said that. This was an encounter with God today. It was a meeting with God and something important. And we shouldn't take it lightly, never lightly. And you should spend this whole month reflecting on this message and what it means. Our Lady, Queen of Peace of Medjugorje's March 25th, 2008 message to the world. Dear children, I call you to work on your personal conversion. You are still far from meeting with God in your heart. Therefore, spend all the more time in prayer and adoration of Jesus in the most blessed sacrament of the altar for him to change you and to put into your hearts a living faith and a desire for eternal life. Everything is passing, little children. Only God is not passing. I am with you and I encourage you with love. Thank you for having responded to my call. And so we see yet again another message. And of course, sometimes people think that our lady didn't say enough about adoration, but she does. And of course, today she came out very strong and very clearly about 
adoration of Jesus in the most blessed sacrament of the altar. And so we need to realize that there's something available to us that our busyness in our life and what it is that we do, we're not always connected to God. We're connected to the world because it drives, the, drives us, it, it, it enslaves us, it, it's in our schedule in the mornings till night. And it's very difficult to break away from that. And Our Lady wants to take a break from that, get in the purity of being in front of God Himself. And Our Lady gave a message one time that spoke about that when you adore the Blessed Sacrament on the altar, you're united to people across the whole world. And so if you're praying in the church and you're in front of the Eucharist and you're praying in front of adoring Jesus, then you're connected with somebody in Turkey that may be doing the same thing, or Italy. And so it's beautiful for Our Lady to say this to us. She said on March 1st, 1984, she says, Each Thursday, read the passage of Matthew 6, before the Most Blessed Sacrament. You know, didn't just, she didn't just say read it. She wanted you to read it in front of the Blessed Sacrament. March 15th, 1984, beginning days, unceasingly adore the Most Blessed Sacrament of the altar. I always think that's interesting that she says, of the altar. She's added this several times to the message because for some reasons we, we de-emphasize the altar after Vatican II. And of course, Vatican II was, was a beautiful document. Some people reject it because of what it brought in, but people took it too far. And the pendulum swung way, too beyond, way beyond what Vatican II intended to be. And now we see the pendulum coming back. But the altar was something that we spoke of and, and was strong. And I remember as a child, was was very, very important. And so Our Lady continues, and she's emphasizing the altar. On, March, on May 28, 1983, she says, It is beautiful to remain Thursdays for the adoration of my son in the Blessed Sacrament of the altar. Why does she add that word? And so she's wanting to see the pendulum swing back toward where we lost throughout these last decades that's significant. She says, Therefore spend all the more time in prayer of adoration of Jesus and the most blessed sacrament of the altar for him to change you and put you put in your hearts a living faith. So this is something that Our Lady says. There's another message that Our Lady says, When you pray in front of the blessed sacrament, you're united to the whole world. And this message uh, really struck me when I first heard it because the be that way and to be united with other people across the world as one is really something that God has shown us that he wants us this unity. So Jesus is a, is a form of unity. And so all around the world when we pray, we have God with us.
live in a society today that we are trapped by the trappings of the world. We may say we want to do what we want to do, but how often are we able to really be free to do that? And that's one reason our lady calls us to adore Jesus at the most holy sacrament of the altar, because from there we can unloose ourselves from these trappings. Of course, our plan is for the entire world. And she said, September 25th, 1995, Dear children, today I invite you to fall in love with the most blessed, or rather with the most holy sacrament of the altar. Adore him, little children, in your parishes, and in this way you will be united with the entire world. Jesus, Jesus will become your friend, and, will not, and you will not talk to him like someone whom you barely know. Unity with him will be a joy for you, and you will become a witnesses of the love of Jesus that he has for every creature. Little children, when you adore Jesus, you are all so close to me. And I think this is one of the most beautiful messages Our Lady gave about the Blessed Sacrament of the Altar because it really speaks of the unity God desires. And if we go closer to Jesus and our neighbor grows closer to Jesus, then we're walking the same path. I remember Father Ken Roberts once told me a, a story about when he was contemplating becoming a priest and he was walking in Beirut and walked, came upon a Catholic church and he was just questioning the meaning of life. And he walked in there, he saw altar boys and he saw the priest on the altar and he saw them doing the mass and it just struck him how what we do as Catholics, what we do as Mass, is the same. Here was in Beirut, never never even thought about going to, into the church, and then he just had this revelation about how united the whole world is because they're doing the same thing, because they're in honor of Jesus and the Holy Mass and the sacrifice Jesus paid, that we're one, we're united to that. So the closer we can grow to Jesus, not the closer we can go to a political party, our belief system, our philosophy, but the closer we come to Jesus, the closer we become to our neighbor because he's one and he's has the, the Christian principles that he asked us to live by when he walked the earth through the scriptures and his precepts. And as you walk toward that, no matter how distance you are from the, your neighbor and they walk toward that, you have a meeting with God. Our Lady gave a message here in the bedroom that said, that everyone you meet be an encounter with God because this unity that God seeks as we grow closer and closer, we become more and more one. That's why people, Medjugorje people particularly, can speak to each other and, and have kinship, friendship instantly and speak about things that you couldn't do with anybody else, even some family members. There's something that they have in a common root of their spiritual life or the soul that unites them. And we often hear people that, we, that we're their family. We feel the same way. How do you become family? Well, Jesus said, when they said, your mother and brother's outside, he said, who is my mother, who is my brother? I tell you, he who does the will of God is my mother, is my brother. In other words, when you're united to Christ, it surpasses everything. And to have blood relatives that are united to Christ is supreme. So to do the will of God is first. You know, our lady just spoke about common sense. 
that Jesus is the light of common sense. But there's something else on the other side of common sense when you think about it. And, and people don't have common sense today. We, we have too much intellectual sense, too much university sense, too much education, the wrong education. We need a lot more education. The problem is, is we're not being educated. We're being dumbed down. And so what we're learning at the universities and what we're, we're doing in the secularization and everything actually is making people not as smart and not as educated as they should be. But in this common sense that already says that light of common sense, she's wanting to encourage us to this. But sometimes to be obedient to God contradicts common sense. We see this in the Medjugorje movement. To do things and to follow what Ali is saying isn't always common sense. Because it's not common sense to do some of the things God's asked us to do. It wasn't common sense for Isaac or Abraham to take Isaac up and, and going to slay his son. That would, God would require that. It's not common sense for Moses to take a staff and do the miracles he did. It, it doesn't make any sense. And you think, well, I would do that if God asked me to do that. But he had to be pretty brave to go in front of the Pharaoh and do something like this. Was God going to really fulfill this? You know, this isn't common sense that a stick's going to turn into a snake. You know, so... Obedience to God often is not common sense because the common sense that you have tells you don't do that. And, and we have things and actions that God tells us, or rather that our lady tells us, that God tells her to the messages that just don't make any sense because on the surface it actually is destructive. It can be damaging to our life. It can be damaging to what we think is our peace. And it might be for temporary purpose. But in the end... It prevails, and God pulls something out of that, that that is incredible. So don't think that what Our Lady asks us to do is always going to be something that would make, make sense to us, and particularly common sense. Yes, Jesus is the light of common sense, and so we've lost that. But to be obedient to God is not always common sense. So don't evaluate it, and often people won't do it. They'll, they'll falter or they'll balk and thinking, oh, what? I don't, uh, this just doesn't make sense. You know, if Jesus sits there and tells me or, you know, or the, the church tells me that I, I need to live by my convictions and I can't uh, be a pharmacist and, and give out birth control, well, I want to do that, but I've got to feed my kids. I've got to take care of my, take care of my wife. You know, that doesn't make common sense, but you're called to obedience. You're not called to making everything right. God will bless the action and take care of you. And I was saying this years ago, and finally people are starting to wake up and say uh, that I won't work in, uh, as a pharm pharmacist in this drugstore if I'm required to do this. People are finally doing it. Five years ago, they didn't do that. People are starting to live by the convictions. And I, I told some people that years ago. And they said, well, I've got to feed my kids. I've got to do this. I gotta, you know, are you going to live by God and let him work out the details? Or are you going to try to work out the details and keep your life messed up and, and in collaboration of sin? So don't think things with God has always got to be something that's going to make sense to you. You just got to be obedient. And where our first place Our Lady says to start is your personal conversion. And Our Lady has a lot to say about that, and we'll speak about that in, in a moment. Do we as Christians lead the world? 
or are we being led by the world? Compromise has infected the Christian value system. We are called by Our Lady to change our life and through that, to change others through our witness to the light. In today's world of technology and traffic jams, it can be difficult to understand how to live biblically. As go God's people, so goes the world. A remarkable writing that will open your eyes to Our Lady's plans to free us from the bondage of things and help us to understand that peace can only be found in a society where love reigns and God is acknowledged. As go God's people, so goes the world. Available on medj.com, spelled M-E-J.com, and click on MedgeMart, or call in the U.S. 205-672-2000. You're listening to Radio Wave with a friend of Medjugorje. Well, Our Lady says in this message today that she says, Dear children, today I, or rather, I call you to work on your personal conversions. And so, well, she didn't say conversions with the S on it. She said conversion, your personal conversion. On July 25th, 1998, Our Lady said, Make good use of... Let me back up one sentence. He may change and transform you with his love. This little children is a time of grace for you. Make good use of it for your personal conversion. Because when you have God, you have everything. And maybe the only thing in the future we might have is God. We can't shout and bark and debate and fuss and always be complaining about the way the world is today, no one is in so deep of an era that our lady's coming that all that won't be corrected. What will we have in the future? If the society is structured now, we can't find a whole lot of good about it and its direction, what it's doing, and the, the, the things, and people, people want to have this rosary attitude, oh, everything's going to be all right, God's going to get what he wants. People went to hell today. They fell into hell today. You don't tell me that God wanted that. God doesn't get what he wants because man has a free will to choose what he wants. And we've chosen to build a world without God. Quote, our lady's words, you have built a world without God. Now, she didn't say, and qualify that and be politically correct, and she didn't say, well, for the most part, you built the world without God. We're hooked into a system that just isn't right. And so it doesn't make any sense, talking about the light of common sense, that our lady's going to come without something that's going to be a destructive of the destructive nature of the way that we built this whole house of cards that is a world without God. It's cystic. Her, her coming here is going to have some effect that way. So Our Lady tells us in this message of 1998, make good use of it for your personal conversion because when you have God, you have everything. And maybe God in the future will be the only thing we will have, the only thing we can cling to. It's interesting that Our Lady spoke of passing in this message. And then March 18th, she did the same thing. She ended by, be persevering so that at the end of the way, we can all walk together in joy and love and hold 
the hands of my son. Come with me, fear not. And so Our Lady is talking about how this end of our life, end of our way, and passing. And what does this mean? It means that really that when we die on this earth, you know, we may die 20 years from now, we may die tomorrow. Uh, extended community member of ours died the very next day suddenly from a heart attack after receiving this message. March 19th. This was given March 18th. You know, what a beautiful passing to have this. Give me your hands, she said at the beginning of the message. And I'm certain he did that because he lived the message and he was close to what our lady was doing. And then our lady takes him the next day. Come with me, fear not. I'll put your hands in Jesus' hand. And so we have that today that our lady says, everything is passing, little children. Only God is not passing. And so she wants us to have everything. And she says that when you have personal conversion and you work on that, then you grow and you'll have God and you have everything when you have God. And so we need to realize that there's something that she wants us to have and hold on to that the world doesn't give us or can it is not capable of giving us. This is an interesting discussion because some of the th- some of the elements of this message, uh, and just in light of what you were speaking about earlier when you spoke about uh, Abraham uh, slaying Isaac, that it was not common sense to do something like that. That was very much of an act of faith and our lady actually used did use those words in this message that uh put into your hearts a living faith and in light of what you're speaking about it it almost seems that this living faith the first thing that comes to my mind when when I think of living faith is is a community life that uh what is what is she what do you think she means by saying living faith well i think that we have to have a faith that has a part of our everyday life. I've often told the story of our kids years ago when we were doing Christmas in the field. We had a whole truckload of firewood we had to bring out to start the bonfires for Christmas in the field. And the battery wouldn't crank. And we took the tractor to it because we were on a time frame of about three hours of putting all this together real quick. And everybody's running around frantic. And we hitch it up and we drag the thing around and have it in gear and it's the thing just won't crank. So we've got that. The battery was uh, dead, but at the same time, it should have cranked at that point. And there was a Frenchman here, was a good friend who's, who's, who has passed now with Our Lady, Cyril Buono, and he had uh, was standing there watching the whole scene, and the kids, we gave, I said, just forget it. We'll have to do something else. Let's just, let's just start unloading it. We'll just put on another truck which didn't give us the time frame we needed. And the kids said, let us pray over it. Well, the battery is underneath the tire, so all these little munchkins had to get around that tire and put their hands over this battery and pray over it. Well, they prayed over it. And they said the three Hail Marys. And then they said, now try to crank it, which I had no faith. I had no living faith that anything was going to happen because you, you, if you can't crank it by dragging it and being in gear, it's not going to crank. Well, it cranked. And Cyril just was amazed at this, and the kids were laughing and so joyful and everything. He says, they prayed, and they're so happy, and it cranked. I says, they're not happy because it cranked. They're happy because they get to ride the truck. <laughs> so that's what their interest was, is just taking the ride on it out there to the field because that was fun. They weren't amazed at the, the machine having this miracle. The, the physical, physical laws were suspended. It really was. They have a living faith, and they were children, 
And they knew God, this is just part of dealing with God. You know, we pray, he gives it, we do it, and then we get to ride in the truck. So their joy was the ride. It wasn't that he did it. This is just an expectation of, of having a living of faith that we live seamlessly here in community. Seamlessly means that there's... Um, it's interesting that at the, being this Easter, of course, uh, the robe that Jesus had it had no seam, the Scripture talks about. There was, it was a seamless robe. And, of course, we all by tradition know the Virgin Mary weaved this and, and it'd be something to have something without a seam. But it also says to us that our life here, to have a living faith, is to be seamless. Between us and heaven, there should be no seams. There should be no barrier. There's no, there's no point of this earth and then there's a line, and then there's heaven. There's not a, a seamless living. So to have a living faith means to be living seamlessly, and that's how we are. God's just part of our life. Prayer is just part of it. It's nothing extraordinary to see miracles. We see, we see miracles on a daily basis all the time. Beautiful things. I just wrote from a desk last week, last week March 11th. It's, it's titled Yesterday, March 18th, or uh, March 11th? 10th or 11th? Uh, 11th. Yeah, March 11th. Yes, it's on uh, Mesh.com. It's titled Yesterday, March 11th. It's a miracle. And and these things happen when you live seamlessly. And it also correlates with the message where Visca was told, uh, or that she said that Our Lady had related to her, told her, and her, her understanding of things is that those who live the messages will not even feel the passage from this life to the next because they'll already be getting they'll already begin living heaven on earth. Now, it doesn't mean you won't experience suffering or difficulties. And Ali just told us, you know, March 18th, that I lead you in a way that's difficult and full of temptations and falls. So we won't not have that, but we have such a reliance on God, and especially when you live in community and everybody's praying and you kneel down, you're together and you do your, your life together and your work like a little village and, and the way it used to be in the old days, then you you can do this seamless life. And that's a living faith. And to have a living faith in a community is just that much all the more stronger. On the other side of what Visca said about you'll not feel the passage from this life to the next, she also has said that the people that go to hell already begin living hell on earth. An amazing thing when you think about it. Simple, simple faith and everybody wants to have all the theological explanations and all this. You know, this makes sense. This is so right that if you live with God, you live the message, you won't feel the passage from this life to the next. But if you go to hell, you've already begun living hell on earth. And if you see people this this in the state of crisis and sin and and against God and and mean and hatred and and always angry, you know, that's hell. You see people that their life is just hell. And all they do is walk through the door at the death and they walk right into it. So it's a big revelation for us from this private revelation to help us understand much more what Scripture means. Now, there um, has been many, many people that have been called to this walk of holiness. Millions and millions of people have gone to Medjugorje, have started that walk, and many, many people haven't continued on that walk, have found it that it's too hard, that they don't like the, the school, the lessons that Our Lady teaches us. And when she says, I call you to work 
on your personal conversion, work is a key word in that line because it takes a lot of work to persevere through a lot of these lessons that Our Lady puts us through. And the world always has these self-help books and everybody's looking for how do you get through this problem or that problem. And I, we always are looking for the easy way out. But what do you have to share that will help people accept the lessons that are difficult to live through when she's calling us to personal conversion? Having that living faith in the midst of very, very hard trials. In the midst of seeing many, many people who just decided not to take up the cross and who are just living their life day by day as if there is no tomorrow, there is no passing. How do you keep having the perseverance and letting Our Lady have her way with us in this, in this time of grace but this time of real crosses? Well, again, March 18th, Our Lady said, be persevering so that at the end of the way, we can all walk together in joy and love and hold the hands of my son. And so Our Lady says this in a way that, she's, that she literally means come. And that was her next word, come with me. And she wants us to walk to this way. And, and of course, her walk was Via Della Rosa, which was the worst walk you could take. There's full of difficulties and falls. Jesus fell three times. But at the same time, the, the work on your personal conversion leads to all this. We can't begin to this step and think that I'm going to... There are the millions that go to Medjugorje. There are the ones that get excited about it. And it's a message for everybody else because they want to change everybody else. How few people want to work and change themselves? Why? Because it's work. And what does work mean? What, what is the definition of work in this context that I'm saying? You know, it takes work in the sense that it's laborious and it's difficulty. Uh, today, work doesn't have a meaning as a lot of people don't do anything. Couch potatoes, people that, that won't, you know, give me, you know, do this for me. Uh, I was just reading a report that 21-year-old, 20, 22-, 23-year-old males are still sitting at home on the couch now. You know, they, they, they fall in a pattern that they've lost their manhood, that they don't really feel the, the need to be a provider, they, they, the culture, the way the culture is going in a direction, and the feminization of the culture has pushed them to this. I said it a couple of programs ago, and some people didn't like it, but we are a female-driven society. We have to understand that. And you, you say, well, women are more abused now than ever. Of course we are. We're a female-driven society. When it was a male-driven society, women wouldn't like this. You didn't need women's shelters. You didn't need protection. You better watch out. When men are running the show, they're not going to allow women to be suffering the way they suffer now. And the suffering is a fruit of something bad. It's not that they're, this is a victimization type thing. This is because we have become a female-driven society, and it's a big mistake. And so that's necessar not necessarily the subject we want to go into tonight. But there again, we, we are off base and, and it takes labor, it takes work to change things. Used to, we, we understood work because everything was labor. Today we have everything pushing paper, pushing text, pushing this. And, pushing, and so it's not, we have a lot of machinery. We don't have the the sweat that it used to take. 
And, you, you know, we, people work all day long. The hardest thing to do is type. And so we, we see that's the means of living and we accept that. But it hasn't brought us toward uh, a holy way. People that work with the soil, people that work, our lady just gave the message soil just last month. I think that was Maria's last month message. Was it that last month or the month before last? But anyway, in that message, you know, why would she say that? As the heart, uh, your heart is plowed soil, is what she was saying. And so that message being that case, that, that's work. Your heart is like plowed soil and is ready to receive the fruit which will grow into what is good. And we always hear the saints teach us, it's not just prayer, and it's not just work. It's pray and work. Here at Caritas, it's pray, play, and work because we have the kids around us all day long and they're playing. We were out today doing a lot of excavation work that we're doing a lot of things, getting ready for spring, and the kids are out there with us. With all around the tractors, it's just a beautiful life. And uh, there's just a, such a joy. If you could see them, it's like a dream. Somebody wrote to us recently, one of the, a kid, one of the kids had been here, and just say, you know, y'all live a dream. Some, I dream about this. What I saw there at Caritas, I, I just go to bed thinking about this at night. And so this is the fruit of working on our conversions, and with that, it turns into something. You're not going to work on your personal conversion, conversion without it, it manifesting as something of, of good. It doesn't mean there won't be any difficulties. It doesn't mean it's going to be a utopia. That's a false premise. There'll never be utopia. We lost everything in the Garden of Eden in that sense. But with these difficulties, you always have this seamless world you live in. You, all know, you always know God's right there. You have a friend in Jesus and it's easy for you to you to you to walk this path when you see that, even in the most heaviest of crosses that we may have. This was a, a email that was sent to us that came from the uh, last radio program, and the uh, our listener said, "I finally had a chance to listen to your March 18th radio wave program." This past week, Holy Week, was filled with total frustration, impatience. Irritation from everything and everyone. I was very short-tempered, and on top of it, looking back, I felt my Lenten penance and sacrifices were superficial, self-centered, lazy, and half-hearted. I felt like nothing made sense. I couldn't even pray well. During Mass and in all my prayers, I was never so distracted. It's a week I want to forget, and today I was begging Our Lady to forgive me, Feeling like I had gone backwards in my walk with her and Jesus, I thought I could never catch up again to where I was. And then I listened to Radio Wave, and that song, We Fall Down and We Get Up, was written for this moment, at this specific time in my life. As the priest inspired that man in the song, Caritas is for me that pedestal of hope, forgiveness, second chances, and new beginnings. Wow, what a much-needed program that was. The definition of Caritas for me is Our Lady's Hands with Skin On. I need to hear, read, and experience what your writings, CDs, and radio programs teach so that I can experience true joy and true peace. Over and over, I think, where would I be if Caritas hadn't said yes to Our Lady and her messages? Every single person there at Caritas is a major blessing, 
and to even be a small part of your lives is a grace from God, and I will not and cannot take for granted. Thank you, thank you, thank you, as always. God bless and happy Easter. After I send this off, I'm going to go kneel down in my corner, say a rosary, and consecrate my hands to Our Lady. This is from Tennessee. We don't read that to put ourselves on that pedestal, but only to, in the reflection of this message and a personal conversion, that Our Lady has called us to that, and in this community, we take that call very seriously and strive towards personal conversion ourselves, individually as well as the community. And we try to witness to that. And that's your call as well from Our Lady to witness that to all the people in your own lives. How does God deal with nations which have no spirit? One of the founding fathers of the United States, George Mason, said, As nations cannot be rewarded or punished in the next world, they must be in this. By an inevitable chain of causes and effects, providence punishes national sins by national calamities. When we look at the events around us, are we perhaps blind to see what is so plainly before us? The continual stripping away of religious freedoms and the barrage of laws, regulations, and more laws, the oppressive structure to promote sin through new laws, and on and on. The scriptures so clearly show that when God's people turned away from Him, it resulted in the loss of freedom and liberty. For years, Our Lady from Medjugorje has told us, invited us, and encouraged us toward reconciling as a people, as well as individually, back to God. We need a mother for our nation. We need her to purify us. We need her to cure us. We need her to resurrect us. We need her to be amongst us. We, the people, need her. This July 1st through 5th, 2008, that mother will be with us. This July 4th will be special for our nation. Come to the field at Caritas, Alabama, July 1st through 5th, 2008, when Maria Lunetti, visionary from Medjugorje, will be with us for all five days. Join with thousands across the nation in praying for the resurrection and renewal of ourselves and our country. July 1st through 5th, 2008, a 4th of July in Alabama that will change your life and this nation. Go to medj.com for more details. Medj spelled M-E-J dot com. Or call Caritas at 205-672-2000-USA. You're listening to Radio Wave with a friend of Medjugorje. And of course, this event on July 1st 
through the fifth is going to be something of a beautiful moment for our nation. And you won't want to miss it. I'm telling you, no matter what you have to do, no matter how you get here, if you have to hitch a ride, you want to come to this. We're putting out a whole promotional packet. We're finishing up. We've been working around the clock to get this out. That there's many ways you can promote it. And we've already heard some beautiful stories of just one little flyer in the back of a church that has brought a whole busload of people or or, or brought one, one person just by reading it to conversion. We're producing a one poster that's a large poster. We've got two smaller, or rather a small poster we have. We have a one-page flyer. We have a 12-page brochure. We have an ad that you can put in your city or diocese and newspapers. We've put actually, I built a, and, and produced a 30-second, 60-second radio spot that you can put on the radio and a two-minute minute presentation if you can get a public announcement for it. And we've got that, plus we've got several ideas. And all this is in the Words of Harvester for you who received the Words of Harvester. Uh, this going out, it's supposed to be yesterday, then today, and it didn't today. Satan don't want this out. We've got some problems with our... Uh, data on being able to put out uh, the correct mail list so we have some glitches we are trying to get it out all day today so it's going to be a little bit late this month but if you don't get the words of the harvesters each month call Caritas and ask for this there's three things in there called seize the moments that we are in the next months where we can have a huge harvest of conversion for people it's one of those times in our history that Everything is just gelled and come together that we can bring a lot of people to know Our Lady who, and introduce her to Our Lady that's never happened. So by whatever means you have to, to try to come in July, you do not want to miss that time. But in regards to personal conversion, it is, it is work. It is a thing that's a daily duty. Our Lady uh, tells us that... We have, on April 25th, 1996, she says, Dear children, today I invite you again to put prayer in the first place in your families. She didn't say to put family first. She said to put prayer first. Too many people want to put family first or ahead of God's will and actually ends in destruction of the family. You've got to do what God shows you to do and do His will and come united underneath that umbrella. And you'll actually be able to love your children more by doing that than if you put them first. There used to be a song out years ago about you're not you're not first you're not my first love. Jesus is his. Jesus is. But I'll be able to love you more by that than if I put you first. And it's true. If you put your children first, if you put your spouse first before Jesus and your love for him, you'll never be able to love your spouse to the degree if you love Jesus first. This doesn't make sense. It's one of those things that don't don't think, but there is a lot of jealousy. We see people go to Medjugorje, and there's a lot of spiritual jealousy. People see this attraction suddenly to Our Lady, following her, and their spouses actually get jealous, and it's caused divorces. Uh, you say, how can Medjugorje cause divorce? It doesn't. Jealousy causes divorce, not Medjugorje. But we call it spiritual distance, and we've seen a lot of this in marriages that take place. So when Our Lady says put prayer in the first place in your family, it doesn't mean put family first. It puts prayer first Family becomes stronger and becomes a higher place and in, in, underneath Jesus. Because the closer you get with him, the closer and higher your family grows in strength. Little children, when God is in the first place, then you will, then you will, in all you do, seek the will of God. In this way, your daily conversion will become easier. Little children, seek with humility 
that which is not in order in your hearts. So it's, it's disorder to put your children in front of what God's plans is for your life. It's a disorder in your heart. You'll never experience happiness, and you'll lose. So all this disorder, you put God first, and that which is not in order in your heart, you seek in humility to remove it. Conversion will become a daily duty. What is duty? What your work is. So that correlates today's message. Of course, this is 96. Conversion will become a daily duty, and you will do it with joy. You've heard people whistle with the work. Today, it's mostly very few people whistle in the work. People aren't happy with what they're doing. Little children, I am with you, and I bless you, and I invite you to become my witnesses by prayer and personal conversion. So this is important that we understand that when a lady says this, personal conversion, it's really about holiness. And what is holy but God? And what can be more holy than going in front of Jesus in the tabernacle or the most holy sacrament of the altar and experiencing this with Jesus? I know I was in France one time at a community that uh, I was asked to come visit the founder of a, of a, of a large community. And it was way out in the outskirts deep into France. I don't even remember the township now, but it was a small town. They had the big mother house and we got there and we had dinner together and then uh, I saw where the chapel was and in the middle of the night I woke up and really felt this impulse to go in front of the bus excitement. Well, I knew I had to sneak through the hallways and sneak through the doors. If you've ever been in Europe, you know how all these things are and they're just ancient and you walk through these corridors and you walk through these places and I wanted to be quiet because I didn't want anybody to wake up. What are you doing up in the middle of the night? So I got there and I got in front of the bus cycle and had just an incredible encounter with God. Uh, I felt Jesus there with me. I felt his presence. It's like electricity. And so these moments that you can have in God and you have them in, you enter into that. Our Lady wants us to contemplate and become disentangled from life and be changed. And so... Our lady said today, you are still far from meeting with God in your heart. What is she saying? I want you to be close to have a meeting with God in your heart. She, she says, you're still far from meeting with God in your heart. To meet God in your heart, what happens? It happened to me there that night. An incredible moment. And this can happen to you. It can happen to anybody. You put your heart into it. You go deep into prayer, you contemplate God, and He wants to be there. We live in an extraordinary time where we have not only that could happen to you or have an encounter with God, but Our Lady's reinforcing it that if you want this meeting with God, be close to God. But you're still far from meeting with God in your heart. Therefore, to cure this, spend more time in prayer and adoration of Jesus and the most blessed sacrament of the altar. For Him to change you, and to put into your hearts a living faith and a desire for eternal life. So when you stand in front of holiness, he is holy. His holiness, even if darkness surrounds your life, you know who's sovereign, you know who the Lord is, you know who has the affection that we need and all the unbelief in us to be kept from us. And we all want that touch. We want to be touched by God. 
And so we need to come into his chambers. We need to be there with Jesus. You need to adore Jesus and fall in love with the sacrament of the altar.
Tell you walking those halls in France and thinking about this song, I really felt I was in the chambers of God. And to to experience something like that is is a beautiful thing. But this is available to us today in this grace. And I felt God's holiness. I felt Jesus. I felt way just like waves moving through me. It was really Jesus. And we don't know what's available to us. And Our Lady tells us today that that she really desires for us to be close to God, to meet God in our hearts. And it's not something spectacular and it's not available for anyone. It's just work on your personal conversion and grow toward holiness. Grow, go that and you'll experience the holiness of God. I wrote in the community way of life about Jesus in the Eucharist. And it says, Our Lady has made us realize that the creator of trillions of stars, all the galaxies and spectacular wonders of the universe, cannot create a miracle greater than he created and given Jesus in the Eucharist. It is the miracle of all time, so vast and beyond our comprehending, that an idiot could fathom the secrets of the universe, for the holiest person could fathom the full depth of the Eucharist. Our Lady has made us understand, though not grasp, the Eucharist. For the community members, it is a personal responsibility to activate the heart a prayer to seek a better understanding of the mystery of the Eucharist. It should be for a member the goal of which to receive great graces to grow in understanding that the Eucharist is of such form and nature and duration and reaches such extreme heights that no greater miracle can possibly exist. For years when a visiting priest came to the field to say Mass, all our work came immediately to a stop. Doctor's appointments canceled, lunch or dinner postponed, Upon hearing the bells ring, it was the greatest joy, a call to our central focus, a call of life. It breathed holiness into our way of life and our work. Masses lived here throughout the day. It continues after the celebration of it ends. And a lot of people don't grasp what Our Lady says when she says, live the Mass. And we think that's an attendance. The Mass is something. What is the Mass? It's, it's a sacrifice. And what does Ali ask? I, I ask, she demands sacrifice from us. And you need to live that all day. So if you're living the Mass, do you just live the Mass when you're there for 45 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour? No, to live the Mass means to be live the Mass all day. To be a remembrance of the price Jesus paid. And so, so much is available to us, so much that we learn. I can say most of the conversions in Medjugorje does not happen in adoration. And it does not happen in Mass. It happens in the fields. It happens on the mountains. It happens outside the church. It happens in creation. But it happens by what they did at adoration and what they did at Mass. You go to Medjugorje, you go to Mass, then the encounter with God may be somewhere in the field. Far more conversions take place out there. But it all is a play on what you're giving God in front of Him. When you're in front of Him, you're adoring Him, you worship Him. And that all comes back to you at some later date or some moment when you have a meeting with God and encounter with God.
This year, why not visit the village that is changing the entire world? Mechagoria. Think about it. If you could combine every single event for the past 26 years that occurred in Washington, D.C., New York, Paris, London, and every other place in the world, it would be dwarfed by the event of one single day in Mechagoria. The Blessed Mother, Mary, Mother of Christ, comes to the earth, blesses the whole world with her presence, and speaks to heal a broken world with advising words, which she says are conveyed directly from God. You can be a part of one of the most important events in the history of creation. Pilgrimage to Medjugorje, and you will obtain everything and more of what your heart longs for. Call 205-672-2000, extension 218. You're listening to Radio Wave with a friend of Medjugorje. So Our Lady desires us meeting with God. She said on September 25th, 1999, I call you to renew prayer in your families by reading the sacred scripture to experience joy in meeting with God who infinitely loves his creatures. On March 25th, 2008, of course, that's today, you're still from you're still far from meeting with God in your heart. On November 25th, 1988, I lady give this message in the bedroom here. She says, That is why little children during the, f- the day find yourself a special time when you can pray in peace and humility and have a meeting with God the Creator. And there's, there is a, a reference to meeting God the Creator. She said that uh, in 1988. She said... Uh, creatures in the September 1999 message. And you'll see this pattern of, of talking about God the Creator in this encounter or this meeting uh, repeatedly, which often is in nature. Again, the November 25th message said uh, to find a time of prayer and in peace and humility to have this meeting with God the Creator. On April 25th, 2000, she said, Decide every day to dedicate to God and to prayer until prayer becomes a joyful meeting with God for you. And that way you'll have meaning, or rather that way your life will have meaning. And again, we have so few people that life has some meaning to their life, some purpose. February 25th, 2007, our lady said, Therefore, little children, make good use of this time and through the meeting with God in confession, leave sin and decide for holiness. And on July 25th, 1992, Our Lady said, Dear children, today again I invite you all to prayer, a joyful prayer, so that in these sad days, remember we talked earlier about everybody says, oh, everything is not so bad. Our Lady doesn't exaggerate what she says. When she says a word, you better take it to the bank, that this is the view of heaven. She's given the opinion of heaven, if you want to call it an opinion, because it's not opinion, it's truth. But but so many people want to say, well, that's your opinion. That's what you believe. Well, let's look at what Our Lady believes. She believes what? So that these sad days, she believes there's sad days here. None of you feel sadness in prayer, but a joyful meeting with God, His 
creator. Again, creator with this meeting with God. And when Our Lady brings us to nature to have a, a joyful encounter with God to show us how to overcome the sadness and the means to overcome the sadness of this world and the grief it's causing, she always ties it to creator. What is a creator? He creates everything. When we think of creation, what do we think of? We think of nature. We think of outdoors. And that's why you see the conversions in the fields of Medjugorje and on the mountains. It's always out in creation. And that's when you have some of the most private moments, walking these trails or being in the woods there in Medjugorje or someplace like that. It's not sitting in a restaurant. That doesn't mean you can't have a revelation or something or, 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 or in a strange sense maybe feel God's presence, but you won't have it in, in a beautiful way that you really feel God wash over you or feel like you've been kissed. I know Maria has talked about that Our Lady kissed her, and she said she felt, her, she felt what the meaning of kiss was. Our Lady kissed her on her birthday, and I said, what did it feel like? She said, I can't, you can't explain it. And she said, it went through my whole being, through my whole soul. It washed over me. You know, Grace came down and kissed Maria. And, you know, she was clean by this. Her whole soul was. She says, in my very death of my being, I felt this kiss. And so this is something beautiful. We, she, Maria once was very sick, and she couldn't go to church and get out of the bed. She was, our lady had apparition, and of course these were in her earlier days. And so she'd seen Jesus before. She'd seen our lady. She'd had all different kind of spiritual encounters. She'd seen many signs, many beautiful things happen. And so when our lady appeared, she says, I want you to get dressed. I want you to get ready because I want you to meet Jesus. He's coming to see you. So she got dressed, got ready. She got ready for an apparition, and it was interrupted before that happened by a knock on the door. And it was Father Slavko. And he said that he knew she was sick, so he's bringing Jesus in the Eucharist. And this is what all he was saying, that I'm, Jesus is coming to see you. Another time, Maria told me that Our Lady said she wanted her to get in her best dress, to be dressed up. And a priest came and did Mass at her house. And so even a, the attire for, for Sundays, how people dress, Our Lady, this is Our Lady, she's given us this. What does she do this for Maria to keep that private? She wants to know that there is an attire, there is a, a code of, of us dressing up on Sundays, us being properly dressed. It's not just a routine thing, the way we dress. We're having an encounter with God. The more we act like the like it, the more we do it. If somebody just accompanies us to a church today for Mass, how are they convicted by it? I tell you, you used to walk in a Catholic church, everybody on their knees receiving the Eucharist, and you know that might make them want that. Oh, this, this, they believe that's God. I doubt very few people walking into church today and seeing us as Catholics go to communion would believe, would have a hard time believing that's, that's God. Our witness to it is not right. It's not proper. And, of course, there is moves. And even the Pope has recently, I've seen, uh, put out the Vatican, has put out some things about maybe we should, somebody, one of the cardinals, I think, said maybe we need to go back to kneeling for, for communion. It's true. Why not? Every kneel should bend before Jesus. If this is Jesus, if it's really God, why not? We want to make him common like us. There's no difference. So we've lost reverence. So it's beautiful when Maria came down uh, heaven came down and gave her, washed over her, kissed her, you know, receiving this kiss. This, you know, she she said she felt like she was on top of the world. You know, this whole grace that she receives that we can't gra grasp and be anointed in that way unless she 
speaks to us and tells us these stories, and then we contemplate them and see what they really mean. So it's a beautiful thing that God gives us through these apparitions. From the top of the world I will see A joy that flows from my glorious King And in my heart Coming down to me From the top of the world I will sing Of the joy that flows from my glorious King And in my heart
is thinking that uh, in your telling the story about France and going through the chambers and and finding Jesus in those obscure places and having an encounter with him and and this call of Our Lady to put ourselves in a position where we can have that encounter. I was just remembering our time that we had where many of the community members were able to go to the Holy Land, which was about eight years ago actually. And it was a jubilee year. A friend of Medjugorje and his wife had gone the year before. And he had wanted to learn the geography of the, of the Holy Lands. He didn't know it, so he went with a tour group. And then the following year was jubilee year. And we had the grace to, as I said, many of us got to go. But we didn't go with the tour group. Uh, we went with a friend of Medjugorje's wife and... We had encounters in these holy places, unstructured, having the ability just to place ourselves in the Mount of the Beatitudes or on the, the, the Transfiguration site and stay as long as we wanted, as long as we felt the Spirit of God tell us to stay. And it was, a, it was an amazing, amazing time. And, um, and a lot of the different encounters, is, as a friend of Medjugorje is speaking about in France, but what was interesting about that trip was we were there in February of 2000, and in March of 2000, the Holy Father, John Paul II, had scheduled his time to go to the Holy Lands. It was something that he felt impelled to do. And so we were back home. We were in the field, and on March 25th of 2000, Pope John Paul was in Bethlehem. And they were, of course, uh, doing a lot of... Uh, reporting on what he was doing day by day in his pilgrimage. But I remember a friend of Medjugorje saying that this day was a day of history because there's things that would happen on this day that would never happen again in all of history, that the Holy Father would be in Bethlehem, that it was in the year of Jubilee, and that Our Lady would be appearing and having an apparition, not only an apparition, but giving a 25th message on that day. And my question is, Our Lady does give 25th messages every month on the 25th. And we know Christmas, for instance, is always going to be a special and significant day on the 25th. And June 25th is always a significant day because it's the anniversary. But to me, I always will remember that one day. We actually got up in the middle of the night and went to the field to be present when the Holy Father gave his blessing and his address because we felt that so important of what he was doing that day. And then later, meeting in the field for Our Lady's apparition and waiting for those words of what she would say that day. But my question is, do you believe that there, you know, we, we look at the message and we pull it apart to see the significance of what it means to our daily lives. But there's always a bigger picture. 
there's always something more profound going on. And the, the March 25th is the feast of the Annunciation of Our Lady, the, the day that she um, had her encounter with God and, and actually had God placed inside her. Does, does that, this message speak about something more profound in that when she's telling us to adore Jesus and here she was the one on this day that had Jesus placed inside her womb that began the whole story, the whole way of Christ. Well, I think that Our Lady's actions speak, her words speak, her presence on the earth every day for 27 years speaks, and that Our Lady didn't waste any part of what she does in her time here God gives her as we Christians would do as far as being frugal or, or not frugal but fruitless so often with, with the time God gives us. If she tells us to use this time well, you bet that everything she's doing in, the, in time has purpose, has meaning. We may not know all that. And, I, and again, I just said the other night on the March uh, the 18th message that a well-known priest said these messages were boring. And... You know, he completely doesn't understand it. And so Our Lady can't be telling us and advising us one thing and she doing another. She's got every... She's been given the world. It's been entrusted to her this time to save it. We are lost. We're, we're, we're as good as over. And because the number of people, the number of souls at stake, and that reflects back to the message we have done everything in our power to make popular because nobody puts it out. Nobody even wants to talk about it. But it's known now, August 2nd, 1981, a great struggle is about to unfold between our son and Satan. Human souls are at stake. So billions of people's souls are at stake. There's more people lived upon the earth now than ever has. With that, there's more people who probably live in error than ever has. Uh, I had... One person once asked me years ago, well, you know, the last century was really bad. And it, I said, we've never had the, the technolog technological sin we have today. In other words, we're using advances in science to, to abort mass production. We, we had advances to do many, many things. The, the, the chemicals that even uh, we take, the pharmaceutical industry, who's driven by greed and profit, you know, we have... We have, we have uh, What's called prophet sickness now. Create the illness and then create the cure. All by medicines. You have medication sickness because so many people are taking 15 different medications. And so Satan has dominated the system. And people are at risk. What if Our Lady hadn't appeared in 1981? We know Our Lady, had she not come and appeared to these visionaries, she revealed that the world would have destroyed itself. Why is the Holy Virgin coming? Read sacred scriptures, live it and pray to understand the signs of the time. At 640, June 24th, 1981, the world was on a downhill slide toward evil and darkness and hate. That that changed in one moment toward the good. Has anything been said about Christians? There's many Christians in the world, but also she gave a message that said there's many Christians living as the pagans. They live pagan Christianity. 
with 26 years of daily apparitions, do we know if there is some kind of plan? It's her words saying, I want to use you in a great plan. You must pray to understand what your role is in that plan. And it's for the salvation of the world. How will it happen? Because you are the chosen ones in the time of grace, walking with her, who are going to instruct the others after the time of grace. When Our Lady came June 24, 1981, it was at that point that God had decided to bring us ten secrets, three admonitions, and it's going to happen. They will happen. Do not put off drawing closer to God now in the time of divine mercy. Find out more about the most extraordinary plans in 2,000 years of Christian history. Sign up for the Medj list free and be kept informed of the most important event in your life, your children's and your grandchildren's, and all your posterity to the end of the world. See MEJ.com and click on Medj list free. You're listening to Radio Wave with a friend of Medjugorje. You know, before we talked on the break, I was decided to look up a message real quick because I remember March 25th, 1984. And, of course, today is March 25th, 2008. And your question was really about, you know, the significance of things that we might know at this moment and then later, what bearings or what purpose or, you know, what what, what part does this play in, in having different meanings? And, and everything has again, all these actions. But this date is very significant in March 25th, 1984, in which she said, Rejoice with me, my angels, because a part of my plan has been realized. When I first read that, I didn't catch it. In fact, we didn't catch this for for some time in regards to, it was a couple of years later before we connected everything and all the dots to it. But she went on and said, Many have been converted, but many do not want to be converted. Pray. And this was the thousandth apparition at Medjugorje, and when the lady said these words, and and to you can read over it and pass over what she really says, but she says, "Rejoice with me and my angels." In other words, all of heaven's rejoicing, because what a part of my plan had been has already been realized, and we didn't know until later that on that date that Our Lady has accepted through Fatima, through Sister Lucy, the consecration of Russia. So that plan was realized, and then there was no connection. Medjugorje visionaries could never have known that took place, and in fact, it wasn't known immediately. It only came out later that all this took place, and these dates correlated. That I said, rejoice with me. She was rejoicing in heaven with her angels. All of heaven was rejoicing over this consecration. There's a lot of discrepancies, and people say this consecration never took place. Sister Lucy repeatedly verified that it has, that it didn't happen the way maybe God wanted it to do, but it was accepted. Enough bishops did it that it was an accepted consecration because that's when the the church, the bishops of the world, did consecrate Russia. And so we see these significant things that happen, uh, and the dates do correlate, and they do have some kind of meaning. Again, very interesting discussion tonight. Something that uh, I wanted to bring up and a number of years ago, you were in Medjugorje kneeling in the communion line, and the priest was coming down, and one of the hosts flew out of the ciborium 
and landed on the ground, uh, one of the consecrated hosts. And I'm wondering if, could you tell us that story of what happened? It would be better you tell it. <laughs> I, don't <know> if <laughs> I, I won't tell it. I don't know if I remember all the details of it. <laughs> um, I believe it was, a, it was a windy day, and uh, you were kneeling with uh, some members of a group. It, actually, it was, it's, for those of you who are not familiar, for those of you who have never been to Medjugorje, when there's large crowds, um, the people press outside the church, and the priests come out and bring communion even outside uh, around the church. And uh, normally everyone kneels down for that. And um, so a friend of Medjugorje was there kneeling, and the priest came, and um, it was very, very windy. And he said he felt in his heart, you know, that that something, in it, some kind of an impulse that just that this one of these hosts is going to come flying out of here. And um, and I know I'm missing part of the story because I don't. There's one detail uh, that I'm that I'm missing, um, and I don't remember when it happened. The part of it in the story, but maybe you know better. Well, I was there. Okay, so, it's better. So I may not know all the details myself, but I do have a strong recollection of this. But I was kneeling next to a friend of Medjugorje. Uh, the priest had just passed me by, and, and a host flew out of the, the uh, ciborium. And immediate, it was just an immediate reaction. A friend of Medjugorje went and knelt down and took the host, not touching it with his hands, on his tongue, and then he licked the pavement that the host had fallen on, and it was uh, it was very startling, very moving. And he then said, "I had a, a feeling or an inspiration or something to be to be ready for that in that instant before that happened." And so it was certainly a huge witness of holiness and and this is truly if we truly believe that Jesus is alive in the Eucharist then would that not be everyone's reaction and yet unfortunately I think most of us do lose that that understanding of not touching that which is holy well I can't say that I always had a clear understanding of that, even raised as an altar boy of what the Eucharist means, but through Medjugorje I've understood and come to know that. And then with Maria, I wrote in the rule, uh, which I was going to read this anyway, but this is probably appropriate for it, to show you how, like, how much I like the understanding of Jesus and the Eucharist and what that really is, and the disrespect I've had and, and, and gone through, and what Medjugorje has taught me about it. And... It was in 1988 when Maria was here. We was with the priest, and we were walking uh, with just a few people to, to the field for Holy Mass, and we were carrying all the necessary needs for Mass, such as the altar cloth and the candles. And I was carrying the ciborium, an unconsecrated host with the priest who was going to use it for the consecration. We were all talking when Maria was, while next to me, saw me talking with, the ten, with no attention to the... To, uh, to uh, without, just actually all my attention was just on the conversation. And Maria pointed to the host I was carrying, and she said very seriously, attention. And I turned to her, and I says, it's not consecrated. Maria then looked at me and said strong with a more serious, a much more serious, and she says, attention. 
pointed again to the unconsecrated host. The way she said it, and when I saw her face, I immediately understood the second time. If the material that was used to build the Ark of the Covenant was made holy by what had become, or rather what, what it became, was my attention and respect proper for what which was about to become Jesus himself. I'd been an altar boy from childhood and never thought much about having a deep respect for the unconsecrated host that was destined to become Jesus. Maria stunned me with her reaction. It wasn't that I was being disrespectful. Rather, my respect and attention needed to be elevated. Naturally, once that occurred in me, my respect and reverence grew even more for the Eucharist. If I was reminded of how much my attention should be carrying the consecrated host, how much more so when it became Jesus. It was a living thing, something important before Mass that was even intended that we began to realize that we needed to have in our understanding, in our teaching, and our witness. And so it becomes natural. It, 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 what happened outside the church is not something that, it's just a natural thing. It's no, no special thing. If it's Jesus, why, why, why wouldn't you lick the whole street where it fell? You know, if that's God, it's God. You don't have to be told what to do or react. Or, or if, if, you, if you believe something is God, your living, your living faith will, will give you what you're doing at that moment. Jesus, you know, he said, when they haul you to court, don't worry about what you're to say. The Holy Spirit will give it to you, just like this program tonight. Really, we're just opening things and messages, and this is just no. It's not. This hasn't been planned today. We're all working separate today, and so, and I prefer to work that way. I prefer to work where God does these events and and lives, and and when you live for Him, and maybe I'm blessed in the sense that Our Lady says you be a witness through Maria, that sometimes God may do this, but I think a lot of it is a central core thing that for everybody. That, that you have to elevate your respect. You have to understand what things mean. It doesn't mean you're always going to feel that. It doesn't mean you're always going to do what you should do. Because I've failed many, many times on things I should have done I didn't do. And I think this is where we've had to, like the letter said about, you know, failing during, during Holy Week. Uh, I think our, our Holy Week here always, we have some crises that come up, some difficulties Seems like this pattern happens every Easter. Maria says on the 25th, her, her life is almost miserable because Satan extracts this, this from her as, a, as retribution for what she's about to give. So we see these things, but all this has to work toward transforming ourselves, changing ourselves. And I already said this in the message. Adoration in, in the most blessed sacrament altar for him to change you. On July 25th, 2006, he says, in silence of the Holy Spirit speak. In silence, may the Holy Spirit speak to you and permit him to convert and change you. On May 25th, 1998, our lady says, allow him to transform and change you. Who? Preceding that, it says, little children, this is a time of grace. And so, again, I call you to decide for God, the creator. So, she wants our hearts prepared for us to listen and live everything the Holy Spirit tells us. For what? For us to grow in holiness. For us to grow in holiness closer to God. November 25th, 2006. Therefore, little children, do not resist. 
but permit him to lead you, to change you, to enter into your life. So again, our lady says she wants to change us, to change the blessed sacrament, to change us. And again, she says, permit him to change you. So we have to give him the willing to do that. People today don't want to change. Our lady's message to this village that we've talked about often, and it's worth repeating that, after six or seven years of prayer, she says, change the direction of your life. I thought they'd done that. I was very impressed with what they were doing. I was stunned with their holiness, kneeling down for two and three hours and praying all that and coming from the fields and holy mass and fasting. And then she tells them, change the direction of your life. And they were rural. They were already living what we see nowadays calling us to. But still, we live in a world today that there's so much error in it that we have to change completely our direction. December 25th, 1987. I want each of you to open your hearts to Jesus and he will give you, or rather, I will give him to you with love. Dear children, I want him to change you, to teach you, and to protect you. If you change your life, you're protected. If you're not going to change your life in future, you're not protected. We're not to have fear. We're not to concern about ourselves about the future. But there are people that better be in fear. They don't want to change. They, they better be scared. They, I mean, because the fear of God's going to come back to the world. You're going to know the awe of God, and you're going to have a fear of God. Us walking in prayer, we're not to have that fear. We're to have the fear of God in the sense of the Holy Spirit, like we talked on March 18th. But as far as the scare, as far as being frightened by God, no, we won't be. So in your work, in the same message, in your work and in your everyday life, put God in the first place. I call you today with great seriousness to obey me and to do as I'm calling you. What is that call? To change your life. And so we have this constant effort of our lady coming to tell us these things repeatedly that we have to do this. And of course, the living faith she mentions Change your life and put into your hearts a living faith. On March 18, 89, she said, God, or rather she said, I beseech all of you to, to pray to help your prayers with, for the unbelievers, those who do not have the grace to experience God in their hearts with a living faith. You may be the only person that can change that non-believer. June 12th, 1986, dear children, today I call you to begin to pray the rosary with a living faith. And of course, we've taught what a living faith means. So, there's so many things that's available to us that Our Lady gives us that we need to realize in our walk with God that it's not just the means of the religious things we have to apply these messages to, that that we have to apply the message to all subjects of life. We have to change our mentalities. And metanoia is that. Metanoia means conversion, and conversion means to change your mentality. It's that simple. That changes your life. This was a, a feedback that actually was from the last message on March 18th, but it still applies to the message today. The person uh, writes in Mariana's latest message from Our Lady I was surprised that she said the following which is a quote from the message the way on which I lead you is difficult and full of temptations and falls 
unquote. I have never thought that Our Lady leads us into temptations. That does not sound like her at all. What was the review on this? Was that really from Our Lady? Well, we see this time to time where someone comes up and they read something in the wrong way. And they, they, they give the slant in the wrong direction. Of course, Our Lady doesn't want us to, to lead us in temptation. But we say, Thou Father, lead us not into temptation. We're praying to God, lead us not into temptation. The principles of God, you, you say, well, Our Lady would sound like she wants us to sin. By, the, by this question, this, this person is asking this as if Our Lady wants us to do that. No, Our Lady once came to Medjugorje and she says, Jesus desires to test you. And she came back the next week and said, the next Thursday night, and she said that you've all felt the presence of Satan. You know, God, uh, God has tested you. In other words, through these temptations. Give Jesus the victory. We know by the saints that temptations cause the elevation of our eternal life to be greatly exalted. The greater the temptation, the more resistance to that, the more reward we will receive in heaven. Think in your life where you've been tempted and you defeated that. You're going to be rewarded for that. That's, that's the war. You're going to sit up in heaven and tell your war stories. Once this happened, and they're going to know it, and this happened, and this happened. And I said, no. You know, be gone, Satan. These are the battle things that we'll be talking about that we won against the devil. And our failures ain't going to You won't have a badge for that. You'll be able to be redeemed through confession by it, but, but it's not going to be, you're not going to have no medal for it. So some of the greatest things Our Lady did and Jesus did on this was, was be tempted and resist that temptation. Think about it. Jesus Christ himself, God, was tempted to kneel down before the devil and worship him in the desert. Think about that. Jesus was tempted. You don't have to sit there and think, oh, well, he, tempted, he just threw this off like a... You know, Star Wars things defecting these laser jets. Jesus felt succumbing to that. I mean, if it, it's not a temptation if he if he didn't feel that. So, the the on our in the Holy Lands, we anticipated you know Via Della Rosa, being on the spot where Jesus died, the holiest place on earth. We experienced something beautiful in Bethlehem, but the most profound place I experienced closed my eyes and prayed and felt just falling deep, deep into prayer that I was on holy ground was in the desert where Jesus was tempted. It's a very, very powerful place if you ever go there. You close your eyes and pray deep there. Something holy took place there. Do you confront when someone speaks in error? Or do you become quiet to avoid being disliked, disenfranchised, or shunned? Are you intimidated about spreading and expressing your faith? Many Christians are buying the lie of darkness that they can't bring faith to the workplace, their schools, their life. Watching evil take place all around them and not stepping up to contradict it is termed quietism. Quietism was deemed a heresy by the church several centuries ago. People had accepted and tolerated many things, not agreeing with them, 
but looking the other way. Centuries later, today, quietism is slowly creeping in everywhere, even to the point that Christians squirm in their seats when religion is discussed in public. Often, yourself and many others practice this heresy, contributing to the world's demise. Read Quietism, an important writing that will convict, making you want to take greater responsibility in responding to the call to convict. Be a witness and an apostle in a world growing more and more in darkness. Many who read it say they will never be silent again. Order on medj.com, spelled M-E-J.com, and click on MedgeMart, or call in the U.S. 205-672-2000. You're listening to Radio Wave with a friend of Medjugorje. Before you move on, uh, I think it's really intriguing for people to think why in the world you've gone to Bethlehem, you were at uh, the the uh, Mount Tabor, and of course the place of Jesus' crucifixion. Why? Why do you think you? God gave you a profound experience on the Mount of Temptations of all places. Well, I, I don't know why. I, I know it happened there, and I know <laughs> I know it's a holy spot. But I, but but reason says, you know, Isaiah says, "Come reason with me," says the Lord, that some of the greatest battles is resistance of temptation. I mean, that's where we fail. We either fail or we're victorious. And that Thursday message just said, "Give Jesus the victory." He delights in that, and you, He will never tempt you with something greater than you can overcome. And he may be often disappointed by you not overcoming, but those things you overcome will be your 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 victories, and you, really will be your rewards in heaven. You know, Judas was told in the point, man, God, something Jesus said to him was something scary, but incredible at the same time. That he says he knew Jesus, he knew Judas's outcome, of course, and and Judas wasn't just kissing him that night of Gethsemane and. And he and he betrayed him. He was betraying him the whole three years. He was up and down. He was with him. He wasn't with him. He was with glory. He was there wanting Jesus to be king. You know, he had his ambitions. But at one point, Jesus was begging him, "Just I, I will, I will have a second crucifixion just for you, just for you." And he pleaded with him, and he he said, and Judas, Judas couldn't couldn't ask him to forgive him. He had done something, and and he wouldn't bring himself to ask forgiveness. He said, I'll pray with you. I'll make it easy on you. I'll give you something nobody will give it in all of all of man's history. I won't even let you do it. Just show me in your heart that I can see in your heart you're repentant. And Judas was there. And then Jesus says something that's really frightening to think about. He says, I promise you, if you will do this, I'll make you the greatest, the highest jewel in all of heaven for all eternity. And to think about that and what he had, and he's the second Cain, and he's one of the worst people who exist in in the the human uh, of all humans that have lived, all men, uh, and what he had there was so great that he threw it out. And so these things come with temptations. That that's where our greatest advancements may come. Uh, the whole thing with Job is this way. The whole thing with testing with the biblical things where you'll be tested uh, 
And conversion is this way. Conversion is easy to deflect seeing in the beginning. But there comes a point in time where your conversion is tested. And you, you've got to uh, not ride on the grace and, and everything that's easy for you. I know uh, this woman saying, you know, that she's doubting, uh, was this really from Our Lady? Well, it's, it's within the biblical principles. You know, God himself allowed Jesus to be tempted three times. And when we say tempted, we've got to think what that means. That he really was tempted to do those things. But he refused them. Mariana said that she was in her house that was locked up and Satan appeared as a young man and enticed her. And I asked her about it. And she and then she she felt herself succumbing. It was so powerful, so profound. And she says, no. And she called out to her lady and Satan manifested and. And then Our Lady appeared and she said, I, I'm sorry for this, but you know, you must know Satan exists. And so um, a temptation is something that is profoundly powerful. And, and so this ground in the Holy Land is, is, a, is a temptation. The resistance of it causes God to be praised. I remember reading uh, someone's explanation of when, when was the victory sealed of, of Jesus' suffering and and the actual crucifixion and was it at the point of his death was it was it at the the time of his resurrection and this uh minister said no that's not when the victory happened the victory happened in the garden of gethsemane that's where the battle took place that's where jesus was tempted to turn away from god's will that's when jesus said Thy will be done. And that was the moment of the victory. And it goes back to when you were talking about either the, one of the last radio shows. That it's when you make the decision to follow Christ, to follow Our Lady. Everything else comes with grace once you make your decision. Well, we took promises last night. And we, had our, we have commitments out of the community members to take their promises to Our Lady of, of their commitment. And in that promise you know we talked about the the promise is the hard thing to do the doing all the things falling into place when you make a decision divine divine things happen there's things that starts happen that can't be foreseen before the decision once you anchor once you're solid once you make that decision god feels all the necessities with it and often it is the yes it is the difficult part to say that because you know if you're being truthful with god or not he's not gonna let you give something of a higher 99% and then a little bit no. You know if you're completely surrendering and giving everything to God. And when you do that, it's actually easier from that point. But these, these you know, the resistance to all these things and these, these temptations is, is in praise of God. Because you're choosing God. Because what, what is the temptation? It's choosing God or it's choosing the devil. Choosing his way or God's way. Not to do it is God. So temptations are a cause of glorification. The temptation is not a sin. You have to realize that. It's not a sin. And it's normal. I mean, who wants to be walking through the park and some thought comes through your mind? Or or, or you see something or, or in a store and see money on a, on a bank and a thought comes in, oh, be, I, I should steal that. You know, you say, but I don't do that. You know, Satan does those things. I mean, everybody's got thoughts that happen for different things and whatever. I might run over that dog just for fun in my car. You know, you know, what, you know what, everybody has crazy thoughts or temptations. And, and uh, you don't act on that. You act on God and what's his principles. Because in, in 
it's New Testament, it repeatedly Paul talks about, you know, he's a beast. You know, it's what God sanctifies and makes us holy. And all this thing is in praise of the king, is in praise of God. And we need to realize that's what we're here is to, to defeat the devil. When he offers us something, we say, no, I will praise God. I will praise the king. That's who I choose. And that's who I want to be with. Tall and lofty trees And praise Him in the evening For children on their knees Oh, and praise Him in the noonday For gentle birds that sing Oh, oh, praise Him, all ye people Praise the King And praise for a peaceful porch and rocking chairs that sway and praise and for the rolling hills where children laugh and play oh and praise and for the wandering soul that never
this uh, something comes to mind in the reading of this message, and and that you brought up in the last program that Our Lady said, "I am a Christian," and you brought up the point that Our Lady is speaking to all Christians everywhere, and it's just interesting in this message because she says to spend more time in prayer and adoration of Jesus in the Most Blessed Sacrament. What does that mean for non-Catholics? Well, say if you're Protestant and, and Our Lady speaking, supposed to be speaking to the whole world and everybody upon the earth is conversion. There's two two meanings there. He's, you know, of course, it's always multi-purpose. There's, there's millions of meanings. This message to millions of different people. But on the surface, right off the bat, I mean, there's I know Protestants that, that adore Jesus much more than Catholics do, and they have him in the Eucharist. Their lives reflected. Really good, holy people. And so, who's doing Jesus more? And paying more honor, even if they don't go physically to the to the most holy sacrament of the altar, but in their heart they have this. So first of all, we have to look at it in that 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 means. But secondly, to his future, uh, our, our Lady is going to be made known and manifested in a way that's going to draw all to her, and she's going to draw all the people to Jesus. And there's going to be some kind of illumination that takes place. I believe very strongly through the messages I see a consistent theme that that uh, Our Lady is going to be given to the world just like John was to Mary and through these apparitions of Medjugorje to the Muslims, to the Protestants, to the non-believers. Something's going to happen somehow. We don't know. But everything adds up in the message. If you see this, you'll see this theme that he's going to give his mother to the world. And his last will and testament, the only thing he did have that he could give was her, the woman. And he said that. He referenced Genesis 3.15, the woman. That's the, the, the woman doing or uh, crushed the head of the serpent. Revelations chapter 2 says the woman. At the wedding feast of Cain, it says the woman. And at the foot of the cross, he says the woman. Woman, behold thy son. And son, his reaction to the woman, he's speaking with the authority of God. Woman, behold thy son. He's talking and addressing her. She's the woman of Genesis, of Revelations, at the foot of the cross, at the wedding feast. And then he addresses the man, John, son, behold thy mother. So he's reflective, and this is symbolic of what's about to be given to the whole world. Whether you're Muslim, whether you're a believer, you're another believer, you're about to get something of a grand scale of a mother like we've never, the mother, the real mother, uh, the heavenly mother, like we've never experienced before. And it's a gift to our lady that God's going to give to her, and she will be queen, the queen of peace, and unite the whole world. And when she steps aside, who's going to be there but Jesus? Be you a Muslim, be you a non-believer, be whoever. And many Christians need this more than either of the two I mentioned groups. So our lady's coming to, to really feed us this, feed us her son for us to bring praise. And then when we read this in the future, once that takes place, for those who didn't know what the blessed sign will, they will at that time. We received this letter, um, a feedback for Medj.com, and it says, I have found Medj.com to be a source of inspiration and spiritual nourishment. Thank you to you all for what you're doing. For those who live on the front line, your site provides the hope and spiritual guidance to carry one's cross and to live as one of Jesus' disciples in today's world. Thank you very much. That's from Adelaide, South Australia. The reason we bring this up is because we've mentioned this on previous shows, is that we, there's so much more that we want to do with Medj.com, with Radio Wave, and we can't do without your financial support. And we've encouraged you before, and some of you have responded to that call, to give of your resources, to give of your money, hard-earned money. Remember in the message today, Our Lady said that everything is passing, only God is not passing. And to think that you can give a monetary gift 
that will have an eternal impact. This is, this is something of what Our Lady is speaking to us about. And this letter from Australia is just one of many letters that we receive of people who are affected by the work that we do here, blessed by Our Lady and blessed by your financial support. So we invite you to do that. You can call Caritas at 205-672-2000 USA, or you can go to medj.com and click on Donate. And uh, you can specify when you call Caritas that you're making a donation for medj.com and Radio Wave. And we've mentioned this before, that we want to move to a 30-minute show every single day. And this is something that we w- would like to be able to feed you and to give to you. And again, uh, we, in- we give you the invitation and the call to give us that financial support for that. You know, sometimes people sit there and say, well, you're about money. Well, because they have the mentality, of, you know, the gospel's free. You know, salvation's free. That's true, it's free, but ministry's expensive. You know, somebody's got to pay for it. It's not delivered free. So uh, do your part on that, because what your part will be, be on behalf of someone else and bringing them to conversion. And this mission has that 21 years of stewardship that shows that. But we would like to really point you to what this Words of Harvesters is coming out now. If, you, if you're not on our Caritas mail list where you get that, be sure and call in and write in for it because it's really three points of action that you can take now in these next few months that's of critical importance that we have an opportunity that we haven't seen in years and years in bringing people to know Our Lady. Uh, it's something we may even later make it available for a download on Medj.com, but it's always better to get the hard copy, and that's free. You just call Caritas at 205-672-2000, and we'll be happy to send that to you. And we have had uh, the March 2nd, the March 25th, the March 18th, and we're going to be coming in a few more days with Mariana's apparition again. Uh, April 2nd will be our next broadcast, which will be the not, uh, for non-believers. And so we've had a, a lot happening with the messages and been on several times lately. And it's always a joy to be able to do that and discuss this and come into your homes, as we said in the beginning of the show. So keep us in mind in prayer, especially with the serious announcement that we sent out. And again, if you haven't received that, Please call for that, too. We'll send that to you. Uh, it's very important. We're making very big steps, very big moves on what we need to do for the future that we won't falter because we see that according to what we do now, whether we'll falter or be able to continue what we do. And the serious announcement really entails that. So in, in regards to this message tonight, again, we just tip the surface. The message will continue to speak to you today, tomorrow, and 10 years from now. And as we close tonight, we would really wish to you everything that Our Lady would like to give to you. And as we do our daily toil, our work, your own, our minds, we do this missionary work with you in thought, with who will be listening to us, who will be contacted, that we help you change through our lives and what Our Lady has changed our lives, and you do the same to others. So good night, and we wish you, Our Lady, we love you.